Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome to the show Got a lot of interesting things to talk about today That's why y'all come here, right? Listen, I wanna let y'all know that sometimes I be right Sometimes I also be wrong I wanna touch on, I got this interesting question asked to me last week It's about who's better, Derrick Henry or Emmitt Smith Think about it lot more, a lot more interesting things to talk about too. Listen, I'd like to welcome back the Cyber family. If this is your first time here, then welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios, as always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what's up, Wally. Listen, man, we got a, I got a, I got a good show lined up today. I'm feeling good, feeling great. How y'all feeling? Y'all ready to get into it? Let's dive right in. Listen, I started I started this show, right? And I said, somehow, for some reason, I don't know why, it popped into my head. Sometimes I'd be right. It's just something that I was saying around around the house. It was something I would say to my wife, honestly, because I would tell her something, and I'd be like, hey, what about you know this, 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 and this? And she'd say, nah, 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 nah. She would ignore me, and I said, listen, sometimes I'd be right. And then when it turned out the way I thought it would, I would always remind her, Sometimes I'd be right. So I just thought, hey, you know what? That's the name of my show. But the interesting thing is, is I've been giving predictions on this show, right? I usually end the show by giving a prediction. I usually pick two college games, two NFL games. Bang, there you go. Do y'all want to know what my record is? I went back. I went back last night because I was very curious. Because I was like, yo, last week I had such a good week. Everything I said was going to happen pretty much happened, right? I told y'all Michigan State was going to lose to Purdue, right? Now, listen, I'm not saying I'm some kind of genius. I'm not saying I'm a Nostradamus. I'm not saying, hey, listen to me when you want to bet your money. (laughs) Not saying that. All I'm saying is I think logically. I don't try to be right. I don't try to, like, ooh, pick the upset, pick the cool game. I don't do none of that. I just think logically. Because, again, let me tell you something. Sports, if you boil them down to the very essence, it's all dumb, right? What is football? Football's two guys running into each other as hard as they can. That's it. If you really think about it, sports are all nonsense, right? It's just a game, right? Now, you sometimes could forget that because you turn on you know, sports networks and TVs, and it's people's jobs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying if you play sports, you're an idiot. No, I love sports. Sports are essential. It's a form of entertainment. To me, it's kind of the same as making movies or TV, right? It's all just fun. It's meant to be that way. But what I'm saying is sometimes we have a tendency to overthink things and place a level of importance on things aren't necessarily important. So when I look at sports, it's one of the reasons why I started my show it's because I felt like my perspective was very, very logical. All right? So I picked Michigan State to lose to Purdue last week for two reasons. Number one, I firsthand, as a fan of Ohio State, watched Purdue at home. Beat Ohio State. A couple years ago, I believe it was 2017, 2018. They went in there, and it was a night game. And again, you know how I feel about night games. On the road in college football, very difficult. 
Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how good the team is. Difficult games. You should you deserve a, a little extra points. A little extra style points for winning that game on the road. But Michigan State played Michigan, who y'all know I don't think is very good. They're an old school slow team. They're going to get beat by most any, most anybody with some athletes. Any team that got some real athletes, Michigan going to have a hard time. So Michigan State goes in there, beats Michigan. They're riding high. Michigan was ranked, what, six at the time? So now you're looking at it as, ooh, what a big win. What a big win. Well, you got to remember, this is college. These are young guys. These are kids. Essentially, these are just kids. Right? So they're hearing all week. They're riding high off this big victory. They just, they just knocked off big, mighty Michigan. It's a rivalry game. And what are you doing? You come back and you're playing the late afternoon game in Purdue. That's a recipe for disaster. You're going to lose that game. Just think about it logically. You're riding high. You're feeling a little full of yourself. The media is telling you how great you are because what a big win over Michigan. But we all know Michigan wasn't that good to begin with. Right? So they lost. Just like I said, because sometimes I'd be right. Because when you think about it logically, yeah, if you were going to lose, that's the spot to lose. Because, again, I don't think Michigan State is as good as they were being hyped because they were being lauded and praised because they beat a Michigan team who was lauded and praised that should have never been. You know what I'm saying? I also told you that the Giants would beat the Raiders. Why? Not because I was trying to pick an upset or anything. Not because I thought the Giants were great, but because the Raiders had a lot going on. They lost their head coach due to controversy just a couple weeks ago. And then Henry Ruggs just last week gets into a major, major car accident and a huge tragedy. Like, listen, we can say whatever we want about, oh, distractions, distractions, they'll come together as a team. These are people. These are people. Imagine what would happen if your best friend got into a car accident, killing someone, was in jail facing 50 plus years, and then you had to go to work the next day. Like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't care about this job. I can't focus on this. That's my guy. Because you got to remember, these, some of these guys are close friends, right? You hanging out with him one day, and the next day he's gone. About to get, his life is over. That has to affect you just as a human being. And you think you're going to travel across country and come play this team that's not dealing with that distraction, who really wants to win this game because their season's on the line, and you think you're going to show up and play well? It's not going to happen. It's understandable, logically. Right? Listen, man, sometimes I'd be right. My record in predictions so far this season, coming into this week, is 20 and 6. I've been right 20 times. I've been wrong 6. Now, listen, I got somewhat of a cheat code. <laughs> I'll come clean. I have to predict the Cowboys game, and I have to predict the whole, predict the Ohio State game, right? I have to do it. Those are my two teams. I got to pick them. And, you know, Ohio State and college football is a cheat code. I'm going to get a dub every week almost. Damn near every week. They've lost like four times in the last four years. So I'm going to get an automatic dub almost every week. But I'm still saying 20 and 6. Come on, man. Just thinking logically, not overthinking it. Come on, man. But with that also being said, if sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'd be wrong. And I'll admit it. I'll tell you when I'm wrong. Right? Some people would like to come up and tell me I'm wrong about Matthew Stafford. (laughs) 
I still contend. Not yet, I'm not. Because I told you. Let's see what happens when you get towards the end of the season. Some people are already criticizing his performance on Sunday. Saying, oh, man, what a, what a bad performance for Stafford. Like, mm, is it the beginning of something? Or is it just a bad game? Depends on what side of the fence you stand on. I, I tend to think it's just a bad game. It happens. Look, quarterback is hard. Right? But some people might see it as the beginning of the end. And you might start to see some, some cracks. You know what I mean? But I, I thought, I said the Cowboys would beat the Broncos. I was one of those who said, listen, the Cowboys seem to be having a little special mojo this year. I think this could be something. And then they came out and got smacked around. Nothing about that game was good. That's that's a throwaway game. That's one of those games where usually after the game, you'll watch the film, you'll study it, you'll make some corrections, and you move on to the next. This one, you just pretend like it never happened. As a fan, as a player, as a coach, eh, that didn't happen. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. You Look, the, 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 the way to review that game, the way to look at that and say, what can we take from it? Let's just play next week. Because we didn't even play, guys. They were awful start to finish. There was never a moment in that game where you said, oh, that looks good. It was all bad. It was terrible. Burn the tape. Burn the uniforms, including the helmets and cleats, whatever you wore that game, burn it all. Start over from scratch. Pretend that never happened. That's what that was. Right? (laughs) I got, listen, I got asked an interesting question last week. And uh, and it, it made me it made me think it made me think. My brother asked me. I got to give credit to my brother, uh, Lolo Green. Look him up on YouTube, Twitch. Um, he asked me a question randomly. He said, "Who do you think's better, Emma Smith or Derrick Henry?" Now, initially, I said, "You're an idiot." Emma Smith, obviously, Hall of Famer, number one all time in rushing yards. But then I paused. I paused myself because I said, "If you're thinking about it logically." Derrick Henry's massive and fast. He's a freak, freak of nature. We can't ignore that. In any era of football, Derrick Henry is a freak of nature. But Emmitt Smith was also really good. But then I said, hold on. It's hard to say because the Cowboys' offensive line in the 90s was dominant. So then my older brother chimes in, Raider Honcho, Look him up on YouTube. He came in and he said Derrick Henry would have done more with that line than Emmett did. Essentially saying he's better than Emmett, and if he had that blocking, he would have had astronomical numbers. And I said, yeah, that could be true. But then I started thinking. We say the Cowboys' offensive line in the 90s was great, right? But we say that now based on what? How do we, the average fan, grade out an offensive line? Because we don't know the, the technical things they do or how they get graded or what makes them good or not, right? We're basing it off of the fact that Emmett Smith had that many yards. Well, I would say to you, if Derrick Henry's getting 14, 1,500 yards a year, isn't his offensive line good too? Isn't he currently running behind a really good offensive line if he's getting that much yards? Because think about it, a running back 
If you didn't have an offensive line and you lined up four down defenders and three linebackers and said, go, gave it to the running back and said, get some yards, he's getting nothing. The only way the running back can get yards is if the offensive line is opening up the spaces for him to go, right? So therefore, saying if Derrick Henry was able to get 2,000 yards, clearly his offensive line is opening some holes. Right? Because that's, isn't that the problem with Saquon Barkley? With the Giants, their offensive line is no good. That's why he's getting two, three yards a carry. He's doing that himself. And then if he gets anything extra, it's because the whole, if you open up a hole, whew, he's gone. So I say that to say, would it be the same? Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they both would have a really good offensive line, because that's what Derrick Henry has now. Whether we acknowledge it like that or not, you would have to give credit to them because of the yards he has. So I think slightly I would still take Emmett because I think <sighs> see that's tough because because Derrick Henry is a freak. So he's one of the few guys that I would say like yeah drop him in the nineties and I think he's still gonna be good. But you also drop Emmett now. I think Emmett's really good now too. Ah, I, I take Emmett off bias. <laughs> But I'm not mad at you if you would say Derrick Henry is a better running back and would do more with that offensive line. I just thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting question. Maybe I wasted y'all time. I don't know. But it's an interesting thing to think about. Sometimes when you compare players of the past with current players and you take away your bias of, I just saw Derrick Henry yesterday. I haven't seen Emmett Smith in his prime in decades. Sometimes you can forget. So it's an interesting question, interesting thing to think about from time to time. But that got me to think, why do we put so much value and why do we give so much credit to positions that are completely dependent on others? I started thinking, a running back is absolutely useless if the offensive line doesn't do their job. (laughs) He can be as good as there is. Be as good as there is. But if there's no blocking, he's getting no yards. So my question is, why do we look at him like, hey, what's wrong with so-and-so? Why isn't so-and-so playing well? It's like, wait a second. They give me the ball, and there's two guys in my face. What am I supposed to do? Give me the ball, block it up, give me a seam, and watch me go. We've always known that the running back's job is usually to make one guy miss. Hey, man, if you can make one guy miss, that's all you have to do. There's going to be one guy left for you that's your guy. Make a miss. Move on. Now, if you can't ever make that guy miss, then, yeah, we can criticize you and say, maybe you're not very good. But otherwise, why do we give so much value into that? Like, you're so dependent on the offensive line. Same thing with receiver. Receiver is so dependent on the quarterback delivering him the ball. The receiver literally runs to a spot, and the ball has to be there. If it doesn't come there, he's useless. He's useless. Right? I don't know. It's weird to me. Like, all right, look, let's take Odell Beckham Jr., right? 
So he's, he goes to the Browns. His numbers drop off a cliff. This guy, I've never, I can't remember a time where I've seen a guy that was so beloved and, and heralded as this is the guy, look how great he is, go to a new team and just turn to dust. This guy is irrelevant. And it's, it's not because he's not running the route still. It's not because he's not fast anymore. It's not because he's dropping pat. It's because literally the ball's just not going to him. So he can become just an afterthought if the ball just doesn't come to him. And that's why they complain. And that's why they say, yo, throw me the ball. It's because, like, I need you to throw me the ball in order to do anything. Like, your paycheck, your, your contract is based on the fact of, is this quarterback going to deliver you the ball? Enough times for people to believe that you have some perceived value. But at the end of the day, a receiver and a running back is totally dependent. So the way that the running back has turned into, we could find a running back anywhere. It's not that you could find a running back anywhere. It's that what they do is dependent on the offensive line. So if I have a bad offensive line, why would I draft a running back in the top 10? Why would I draft a running back in the first three rounds if my offensive line is dog do? That running back, no matter how good he is, is not going to have success because my offensive line is dog do. Therefore, you lose value of the running back. And I think receiver is getting dangerously close to that territory. Where it doesn't matter how good that receiver is. If my offensive line is doo-doo and my quarterback can't deliver the ball, then it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, I'm the guy that says, give me three good receivers. That's better than one really good receiver and two, not so good. Build up all your your offensive line, get the quarterback, then get the weapons. But the weapons just have to have, if you have a receiver, like Deshaun Jackson, is he a good receiver? A lot of you would say yes, right, based on what? That he's got touchdowns, that he's open. He's just fast. That is it. He's just fast. That's it. That's what you need. Give me a guy who's got incredible speed, I can make it work. Give me a guy who's a big body receiver, I can make it work. I don't know. I don't know. It's just my thought. I think we're too dependent and give too much value. We give too much value and too much blame to a position that really is dependent on so many people around him. Like the quarterback is 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 a guy. If you're delivering the pass, yes, you need the receiver to get to that spot. But you can adjust where you throw it based on the receiver. If I'm a receiver, I can't adjust where I go. I mean, I could break off my route, sure, but like you still have to deliver it. The offensive line, totally independent. You tell me which direction I'm blocking and who I'm blocking, I got it. Defensive line, same thing. Linebacker, same thing. Corner, same thing. You got your guy, that's it. Receiver? You need the quarterback. Running back, you need the whole offensive line. And yet those are the guys that are the stars. I don't know. Just a thought I had. But but with that, we could slide into the conversation now is Baker Mayfield and the Browns are better off without Odell Beckham Jr. Now, number one, let me say. I've never been a big Beckham fan. Here's what happened. I think he was a really good athlete 
who had really good hands. He was a good receiver. He was a really good receiver. He made an amazing catch on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. Amazing one-handed reaching back. You all remember. Caught it with like three fingers. Just snatched it. That put him on the map. And because we live in this 24-hour news cycle of sports where we have to have something to talk about, he took off. Look at that catch. Is that the most amazing? Is that the best catch of all time? That was the conversation back then. I remember because I said, yo, you're bugging. They lost the game. <laughs> like the catch was really like the catch was a great catch. Listen, it's amazing. Backyard football, that's amazing. But that's what he did. That was his claim to fame. And that put him on the map. That made him a star. And if you remember, then he spent the whole offseason being a star, hanging out with Drake, hanging out with celebrities, doing this and that. Like, he became kind of like a pseudo-celebrity. He became known everywhere across the world, not just football fans. Everyone knew Odo Beckham was the hair. Oh, man, look at the hair. He was a star. But listen, I'm a fan of the Cowboys, right? And the Cowboys had to play the Giants twice a year. And you know what I started noticing? They kind of had an answer for Odell. Cowboys defense was bad, but they would play certain coverages to be able to eliminate him, and he would get frustrated. And once he got frustrated, nah, it was over. He was out. He would, he would go pout and ineffective, and you guys, you got it. And to me, I never thought he was great. Everyone tried to say, oh, is he the best in the league? Is he this? Is he that? All he did was he would make one flashy play. He would have one play. Like every two games, he'd have one flashy play or one big play that kept him in the public eye. And he was very visible off the field. And so we just gave him credit for being really good, really talented. He's a great receiver. He's up there in the top five in the NFL. And he never was. He was never really that. Odell Beckham was never a number one receiver. Never. I know, say what you want. Criticize all you want to criticize. I don't care about the 1,300 yards in his rookie year, uh, most yards here, fastest to this. I don't care. I don't care. Because I've seen, I've seen, I've seen too much. I know how you play. Right? I say the same thing about Saquon Barkley. Bro, Saquon Barkley will have 19 carries for 20 yards and then bust a 70-yard run. And if you look at the stats at the end of the game, whoa, what a really good game. No, it wasn't. It was one really good run. The rest of the day, you were getting one yard to carry. Thanks. We lost the game. Odell Beckham, he might end up with a bunch of garbage garbage time catches, or he might have seven or eight catches, but he's going to have six catches for 18 yards, and then he's going to bust a 60-yarder on you. And then it's like, oh, look at that game he had. But it's like, no, no. No, 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 no. This guy was contained for 98% of the game. He got loose on one play. That's it. Fantasy football is what boosted Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham would have been a great number two. Would have been a great number two. Would have been an unbelievable slot receiver. But he had the ego to make him a number one, I'm a number one, and he played in New York where they were devoid of any talent. Did I even say that right? <laughs> well, they were void of any talent. They had they had no talent at receiver. 
They needed a guy. He filled the role. But he goes to Cleveland where Baker Mayfield is waiting. And we and the media can't tell you how great of a fit that is. Oh, what an amazing thing. Oh, Baker Mayfield's going to take off. This is great for both these guys. <laughs> Look, why does anyone like Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield is average at best. Baker Mayfield is an average quarterback at best. Average. This guy has done nothing exceptional in the NFL. I know, he's the quarterback, so he gets credit for turning the Browns around. Guess what, guys? That running game is what turned the Browns around, which is why when they run the ball well, they win games. Baker Mayfield looks good. When they don't run the ball well, they lose, and he looks bad. Why? They're a running football team who does everything off the run. Stop the run, force him to have to pass. He's average at best. Yo, he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Surprise! That's what he is. He's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's he's Jacoby Brissett. He's an average quarterback. Average. I can't stress it enough. Average. Do you know, he's, this is his fourth year. He hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards at any point. Nope, never thrown for 4,000 yards. Completing about 63% for his career so far. Average is about 25 touchdown passes and 14 interceptions a year. A QB rating of about 90. He's average. Average. Like, I, I don't even understand. He, he won a Heisman. He was drafted number one. We love him. He's got a little attitude. He's got a little swagger. They still haven't paid him. They still haven't paid him. They keep saying, show us again. Show us some more because they don't want to pay him $40 million because he ain't worth it. He's not worth it. I'm not giving you top money. I'm sorry. Go somewhere else if you must. I'm not giving you top dollar. Not going to do it. You're not in the top 10 quarterbacks. Oh, did he just say that? Yes, I did. Baker Mayfield is not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Baker Mayfield might not be a top 15 quarterback. He's right in that middle of the road. You can win with him. He might even be able to win you a couple games every year. He's going to have his moments. But he's average. He's okay. He's Nick Foles. (laughs) I feel like with every comparison, I'm getting slightly and slightly more offensive. (laughs) Look, but the love affair with Baker Mayfield is like, why? Like, he played okay on Sunday, but they're talking about, like, oh, look, is this a statement win for the Browns? Okay, okay. Let's go based on, let's go on that, okay? They said they're better off. They got Odell out the building. Um, the, the team feels so much more free. Baker Mayfield was always too concerned with trying to make him happy, so it messed him up. So now he's freed up to do, to play, to play ball and, and watch. He's going to ball out. Oh, he had a, he had a good game. Look how well they look how well they played. What happens if they lose this week? So the conversation is they're better off without them, and this was proof. But they've they beat the Bengals like all the time now. They like own the Bengals in the last couple years. Right? That's not new. They beat the Bengals with Odell. 
So now my question is, if you hype this up as a big statement win and this shows you and proves that they're better off without him, what happens if they lose this week? And what happens if they go out and they get destroyed this week? Are they still better without him? Does that prove that, wait, maybe they do need him? That's why I don't like making these big statements of, oh, this proves, it proves nothing. It's week by week. Styles make fights, right? And for the Browns, the Bengals are a good matchup for them. That's who they like. They like that matchup. Put them against someone else, it might be a bad matchup and they're going to look bad. Especially with your average quarterback. (laughs) I don't know. I don't I don't think that I don't think that game said anything about anything. I think it was just a game against a team that they matched up well against and they played well and they had a good game and it turned out well. That's it. That's it. It, it just as much as the Cowboys loss doesn't say anything about them. It's just one of those days. For the Browns, it was just one of those days where they had they were on. The Bengals were a little off. They capitalized. That's football. And, and and talking and addressing average quarterbacks brings me to something that really blew my mind this weekend. So, Aaron Rodgers, who listen, we're going to get into Aaron Rodgers at the end of the show. I'm going to leave that for the end of the show because I got I have really strong opinions on Aaron Rodgers and what happened with him. Right? So, Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to play because he's a dodo bird. <laughs> a little preview for what I think of Aaron Rodgers. Okay, Jordan Love had to play. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I kind of feel like the conversation was that that all eyes were on Jordan Love. Oh, let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do. But why? what, what were you expecting? What were you expecting? Right? Like... No, no, seriously, what what was the expectation? Because I felt like everyone looked at that game to say, if he plays well, then, ooh, the conversation is going to be, should they move on from Aaron Rodgers? If he plays poorly, the conversation is, see, he's no good, you need Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, no. That game, you they didn't need to win that game. Jordan Love didn't need to play exceptional in that game. You just needed to see, does he look like He's competent. Again, think logically. This guy is the same guy that every media outlet in the country, every single one of them, talked about how you need to do whatever it takes to get Aaron Rodgers back. Oh, don't be stupid. Don't let him go. If you let him go, you're a moron. You got to keep Aaron Rodgers. Da-da-da-da-da. Because Jordan Love, you're going to go with Jordan Love? That's who you're going to go with? Everyone told me all summer long I was crazy because I said, yo, I'd trade Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat. Get him out of here. You don't need the guy. You're better off without him. Start or rip the Band-Aid off now. He don't want to be there. He not about team. Dude is checked out, only worried about himself. Get him out of here. Sometimes I'd be right. Look what's happening now. Now, again, that's not happening because what? I, that's a total selfish move. 
That's a me, me, me move. You could have had the world at your feet. You could have gotten crazy value in the trade. And you could have had Jordan Love going. Now listen. People were criticizing and critical of his performance. Did he play well? I don't need you to play well. I just need to know that you don't look overwhelmed. Do you look like you belong here? Or do you look like you are overwhelmed? Because it's his first NFL start. Nerves are going to be insane. Anticip- this, you've been waiting your entire life. For, you've dedicated your life to this. Having this opportunity. And you're on the road against a really good team. Look, man. Did you look like you were overwhelmed? And I don't think he looked overwhelmed. Obviously, he looked like, you know, they're not on the exact same page. He didn't go through the whole offseason as a starter. He didn't go through the preseason as a starter. He didn't play in the first six, seven games. So, listen, it's not going to look the same. But maybe start three, four. Maybe if he plays out the rest of the season, you might see what you need to see. But I don't understand why the expectations were so high or why you're writing him off now because of one game. You're writing him off after one game? Like, as if he if he played great, you would be able to sign him for a massive deal. Like, no, one game, it, he wasn't going to prove anything. If you like Jordan Love, then you thought he played okay. If you dislike Jordan Love, you thought he played like trash. Doesn't matter how he would have played, your opinion would be the same. Right? If I'm a Jordan Love supporter and he goes out there and he plays amazing, I'm going to say, see, he's amazing. And his detractors would say, it's one game against a bad Kansas City defense. Right? You see what I'm saying? So it wasn't going to prove anything to anybody. So why was so much importance placed on it? Because y'all needed something to talk about. But now, now. No, we'll get into the Aaron Rodgers stuff when we talk about Aaron Rodgers. I still think they should have traded him. Before the season started, I still think they should have traded Aaron Rodgers and got maximum in return. That's what they should have done. But maybe I'm crazy or maybe I'm just logical. I also noticed this weekend, man, there was a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate and a lot of venom and a lot of criticism being dished out to one Russell Westbrook, point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't get it. Here's, see, Westbrook is a perfect example of, of why I need to exist in this space. This is why you need, sometimes I'd be right. Because I'm not going to build a guy up to then crush him. Listen, Russell Westbrook is exactly what he's been his entire career. Russell Westbrook this year is doing the exact same thing he's done every other year of his career. No difference. Same guy. The same guy. Playing the same. Dressing the same. (laughs) The exact same, just a new team. A couple years ago, when he first averaged a triple-double, we thought, this is an, this is amazing. MVP. Guy averages a triple-double, got to give him the MVP. Didn't care about nothing else. MVP. 
triple-double. He comes back and he does it again. Still got to give him credit. First guy to triple-double back-to-back years, got to give it to him again. Does it again. Now all of a sudden it's like we get tired, we get bored. Nah, that's not impressive anymore. He's a triple-double king. Don't nah, We're not impressed anymore. You guys built them up as being a top point guard in the league. Right? You guys loved him. You guys praised him. You guys thought he was great. You guys said, oh, his effort, his hustle, blah, blah, blah. He's raw, raw athleticism, blah, blah, blah. You love the guy. Love him. Put all these experts. Talk about how great he is. And then when he doesn't play well, or then when he does what Russell Westbrook does, you guys bash him and beat him to the ground. That's y'all. Y'all said he was that. He didn't. And even if he does say, I'm the best point guard in the NBA, what's he supposed to say? I'm the seventh or eighth best point guard in the league. No. He believes in himself. He believes in his ability to win the game. He believes in his ability to get to the basket. He believes when he takes a shot, he's going to make it. He believes it. He's supremely confident. He also plays incredibly hard, incredibly fast, and a lot of times that gets him in trouble. Sometimes he goes without thinking. He's just playing off instincts. He'll be sprinting to the basket. All of a sudden, out the corner of his eye, he sees a guy. You know what he's going to do? Throw the ball over there. It's not going to be a good, accurate pass because he wasn't, he wasn't thinking. He reacted in a split second and just whip it across the court straight out of bounds. Turnover. What? What just happened? Russell Westbrook just plays with passion, man. He just goes. He just go, 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 go. He's going to do a step back three. He's not thinking like, I'm not really that good at shooting threes. He's thinking, yo, I'm taking this shot. But that's who he's always been. That's why Durant left. Was like, bro, I can't, I can't play with you. Like, it's, it's the way you play. That's the way you need to play. And that's fine. And that works for you. But for me, I need something different. So he left. No disrespect to you. Right? Like, no disrespect to you, but I, I gotta go. I need something different. And Westbrook took it as a as a slight, as an insult, and said, I'm 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 just I'm gonna do everything. And he got himself in the mindset of triple doubles, of I need to get all the rebounds, I need to get all the assists, I need to get all the points, I need to do all this stuff. And you guys loved him for it. You guys they the the, the sports media loved him for it, praised him nonstop endlessly. Now he's in a new situation. Look, the Lakers are exactly what we thought they would be if you thought logically. Right? Like, none of these players fit together in any type of role. What type of role is Carmelo Anthony playing? Six man? All right, well, you're lacking the, 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 the age and athleticism necessary to be an explosive six man. They're, look, they're old. There are a bunch of old players who just like each other and wanted to play together. It it never made sense. Westbrook being on that team never made sense. A ball-dominant point guard who controls everything is going to go play with arguably the greatest basketball player of all time who also happens to be ball-dominant and control everything. LeBron and Westbrook were never going to coexist because if Westbrook doesn't have the ball, he's useless. 
Because he can't shoot. So if I can't shoot, I'm just running around without the ball. Like, what you going to give it to me for? I'm just going to drive to the basket anyway. So, yeah, maybe he could do backdoor cuts and get easy layups. But, like, that's not his game. So now you're bringing in a guy to do something that he doesn't. That's not what he does. It was it, the team was put together poorly. What you were banking on was the fact that all these guys are potential Hall of Famers, and they're all good, and and they'll play together, and 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 we have more good players than you. We have more Hall of Famers than you, so we're gonna beat you in a series. No, you're old. You might not make it to the series. Look, this team is a dumpster fire. That's what we thought they'd be. So Westbrook says what? Team's not very good. What does he say? I have the ability to lift everybody up. I can get a triple-double, which is going to get us more rebounds and more assists. I can do it. And he just puts his head down and he go, go, go. The same thing you all loved him for is what he's doing now. The problem now is you're over it. Let's face it. We, as sports fans, are over the triple-double. We no longer care. I think I speak for everybody when I say no longer care about triple doubles in basketball. Russell Westbrook has made the triple double insignificant. It's not a big deal anymore. It's not a great stat. Guys can do it every night. It might be mentioned, but it's not revered the same way it once was. And that's because he averaged it for multiple seasons. And it's like, eh, it's not a big deal anymore. And because of that, you now look at Westbrook and start to point out all the things he doesn't do well. And listen, I'm not hating, but I can't help but feel like some of the Russell Westbrook hate has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of you guys are depending on LeBron James winning more championships so you can continue the GOAT argument. And so you need Westbrook to be good so LeBron has a chance of winning another ring. Because LeBron with five rings is a better conversation against Jordan than four. And we need that conversation to keep going because that's the biggest conversation in sports. So I, I don't know. Listen, conspiracy theory me, but that's what I think. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think now the microscope is on Westbrook and we're pointing out all his flaws. It's like they've been there the entire time. They've been a concern since day one. Been a concern since the draft. Right? Remember in the NBA Finals in 2012, he was a disaster. What was it? Charles Barkley who said that was the worst point guard play I've ever seen? <laughs> Look, man, that's just that's what it is. That's what he's always been. And I don't understand why now it's a problem. That's what he is. Look, when they when they traded for him, I said, am I the only one who feels like this is a bad trade? Like, this isn't going to work. Why would they bring him? Why would they get him? They should have taken Ricky Rubio. They needed a guy with no ego who was going to come in and play a role. Again, yo, when you're building a team, guys, if you already have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two alphas, actually one alpha, Anthony Davis is more of a beta. I think he's I think he's more like a Dwight Howard type where it's like, listen, you could be the guy. Give me credit. Give me my money. Give me the ball. But like, I'm cool if you want to be A. I could be B. That's fine. 
I think he's more like that. I think he's more comfortable being a guy, I'm going to go out there, do my job, leave me be. I think that's Anthony Davis. That's not a knock. Listen, I'm not insulting him. I'm the same way. You get all the credit you want. You can have all that. I'm going to come in and do my job. That's it. I don't care about nothing else. Right? So when you already have that, that's your core. You have to build around that. Get guys that compliment them. Not Russell Westbrook. Carmelo Anthony, I'm cool with. Fine. Like, But just all the moves they made were like, you're not building a team. You're just collecting players and seeing if you can figure it out. It's like, bro, no. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. And we need... Listen, now, obviously, it's it's still early in the year, right? Like, it's still, what, 10 games in? Like, come on. For anyone to say it's, it's they're not going to get to a championship or they're not going to win anything or this has been a disaster, this has been a failure, listen, they're going to go on a run. If there's one thing I know about basketball, it's that teams are going to go on a run. And if you have good players, you're going to go on a run. So at some point this season, the Lakers are going to rattle off a bunch of wins, and the conversation is going to go from where it is now, where they say, ooh, what a disaster, this isn't going to work, this is bad, do they regret these signings? It's going to flip into, are they now the favorite to win the championship? I promise you that. And when it does flip, I'm going to be right here to talk about it. But listen, you're hearing it from me first. Sometimes I'd be right. This thing is going to turn around at least for a little bit. And the whole conversation is going to change. Right? So listen, I, I know you guys are probably wondering... When 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 am I going to talk about Canelo versus Plant? The fight. The big fight. Oh, man. What a fight. Listen, what an atmosphere. Again, I can't ex- I can't stress this enough. The atmosphere of a of a big championship fight. There there's nothing like it, man. There's nothing like it. The 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 anxiety, the butterflies, the, the anticipation. Like when I think about what the guys must be feeling as they walk out the tunnel, the music's playing, the crowd starts to go crazy, whether it's cheering or it's booing, you're walking into the ring, you know you're about to fight. You're about to walk face-to-face with a guy who wants to hurt you. And there's so much on the lines. Undisputed, undisputed super middleweight championship. History, first in history. And this guy wants to kill me. And if you're Caleb Plant, you gotta be thinking, this is Canelo. Regardless of if I like you, respect you, or whatever, I know what you bring to the table. I've seen you. I've talked to guys who fought you. I know what this is, and you're about to go fight that. God, the feeling you must have must be insane. I never want to find out. <laughs> I don't want to fight. But, man, as a, even just as a fan, just watching it, the excitement, the anticipation is just whew, nothing like it, man. Best in sports. The best in sports, hands down. Now, talking about the actual fight, there's a couple things. Number one, let's talk about the result, the outcome. So Canelo Alvarez ends up knocking him out in the 11th round. Right? Most people predicting the fight, most pros, most trainers, everyone who is anyone's, basically said the same thing. Plant's going to have success early. Canelo's going to break him down, knock him out in the late rounds. Now, I I had predicted that Canelo would win, but I thought he'd win by decision. But I thought he would hit Plant with a couple shots early that would make Hand a little hesitant. 
and he wouldn't fully commit to everything and he'd be a little passive and and Canelo would just rack up rounds that way. And for the most part, it kind of looked like that. Like, Plant was competitive in terms of he was always there, he was always throwing punches, he never seemed like he was afraid, but he was being very careful. He was tapping and touching more so than sitting on punches and really trying to hurt anybody. And that's because every time he did, Canelo came back with a hard shot and made him pay. Or made him think about it. Now, if you're in the ring, Caleb Plant had to think, hey, listen, if I fully commit to this punch and he returns with something, uh, you just think about it. Like, you know what I mean? You hesitate for a split second and then you just decide, now let me just throw it out there, get a point. I'm going to land a shot and get the point. Right? And that's so that's pretty much what he did. But the brilliant thing about it was that Canelo is so patient in the ring. Listen, let's just say Canelo is a great fighter. He's a great fighter. I don't care. You want to call him a puncher. You want to call him a boxer, whatever. He's a great fighter. He can do whatever you need. He was winning that fight. He wasn't losing it. On the scorecards, I think the Showtime unofficial scoring in the 11th round had him like eight rounds to two. Or like seven rounds to three. He was winning handily. Caleb Plant needed a knockout in order to win the fight, right? That's what it looked like to me. It looked like Canelo's racking up rounds. Because he's the aggressor. He's throwing the harder punches. He's landing the bigger shots. He's constantly moving forward. You're constantly trying to avoid trouble. Canelo's coming forward. He gets the credit in that round. And all this talk about Caleb Plant, he did good. He showed well for himself. He showed he belongs. Nah, 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 nah. No participation trophies here. What, 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 what's happened? What happened? Uh, where in life, this is boxing, this is a fight. I'm a boxer, I stepped into the ring, yeah, I boxed, I fought. What is this whole, you gotta give him credit? He didn't just quit, he didn't give in. Who does that? You're a fighter. Your job is to fight. So when you go in there and you fight, I don't care who you're fighting against. When you go in there and you fight, you don't get credit for fighting. Like, it, it annoys me. You know what? You know who I give credit to? A couple years ago, Kel Brook, who is a 147-pound fighter, moved up to 160 to fight Triple G at a time when Triple G was knocking everybody out. I think he had, like, 18 or 19 straight wins by knockout. And Kel Brook, a 147-pound fighter, moved up to 160 to fight him. You know why I give Kel Brook credit? Not because he just fought him, not because he danced around throwing jabs and tried to outbox him. No, because for the three rounds he was in there, <laughs> before he got his orbital bone broke, he stood toe-to-toe with him and fought him. He wasn't scared. He was standing right there in front of him throwing hard, heavy shots. You give that credit to say you're the smaller guy and you're in there fighting this guy who's dangerous at a time where everyone considered him to be the most dangerous boxer. You took, you did that. Got your face broke, but you took on that challenge and you fought. You get credit for that. I wouldn't have given him credit if he went in there against Triple G and tried to dance around for 12 rounds and see if he could eke out a decision. No. That's what you're supposed to do. You just try. You just box. That's it. That's what you're supposed to do. You didn't go above and beyond. Right? Aries Landy Lara made it 12 rounds with Canelo. 
Should we look at that like, oh, he, he showed what? He danced around and he ran and he ran and he ran for 12 rounds. That's it. And every time Canelo caught him, he hurt him to the body or he, he, he hit him with an uppercut. Like, he did damage. Every time you stop moving, he did damage. You don't get credit for that. I'm not going to praise you for that. It's, what a great effort. No. So Caleb Plant came in and did what Caleb Plant does. Listen, I told you before the fight, I like Caleb Plant. I think he's a good fighter. I just think there's levels. He just wasn't on this level because he has no exceptional skill. He's a really good fighter, but he doesn't have any one thing that he does that's just special. He's just a very technically sound, competent fighter. A good, good fighter who, yeah, he can be champion again. But he's always going to have problems with really skilled fighters who can punch, who got some power. Because he ain't got no pop. But again, I'm not giving you credit just because you were there. Just because you went into the ring and threw punches against the guy. No, 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 no. I'll give you credit if you realize you're overmatched in a fight and you say, forget it. I'm going out on my shield. For real. I'm really going to go out on my shield. I'm going to stand toe-to-toe with you and either you're going to knock me out or I'm knocking you out. But this is my only option. And you know who did that? Do you know who did that? Canelo did that. Against Triple G. The first fight, he tried to dance around and outbox. For the first seven, eight rounds, he tried to just dance around, outbox Triple G. You don't win fights that way, bro. And then there was a point in the fight where he decided, I can't run from this guy anymore. I got to stand toe-to-toe. And he did, and he opened it up. And the back half of that fight, it was only a draw because he got credit. And he got a lot of those rounds. And he got a lot of those rounds by the judges' scorecards because he stood there and started throwing shots at Triple G and started fighting him. Instead of dancing around, running around, scared, trying to avoid trouble, he stepped right in there and went toe-to-toe. And he got credit on from the judges for that. And that's how that turned into a draw. And in the second fight, he said, I'm coming out from start to finish. I'm going right at you. We're going to finish this. We're going to settle this. And he got credit from the judges. And the judges scored in his favor for that reason. And that's how we got the win in the second one. That's it. You got to realize in a fight, in a split moment, I need, I need to fight fire with fire. I can't just dance around and run. That's not how you get wins. And that's what Caleb Plant's strategy was, to just outbox Canelo. Because everybody says, just, you got to outbox him. You can't stand toe-to-toe, outbox him. Canelo's not just a puncher. Canelo's a skilled boxer. Can we stop that whole narrative about just outbox him? Like, obviously, any fighter can be outboxed. Like, you can just have a fight where you just lose. Styles make fights. There are fighters that probably have a style that will give Canelo trouble and they could win against Canelo. Canelo's not unbeatable. Canelo's not the greatest fighter of all time. Canelo's not like some special, we've never seen anything like this. It's not impossible for him to lose. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's really, really good. Matter of fact, he's great. He's a great fighter. But he can lose. I think what it's going to take now is a massive puncher. Canelo's going to lose. If he's going to lose, he's going to lose to somebody that can hurt him. That's what it's going to take. But back to the fight. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the next steps for him later. 
So what I found amazing in the fight was that Canelo's patience. Canelo is never rushed in the ring. Canelo's never desperate. Canelo always seems, looks, and feels like he's in control. And I think in the pre-fight, Plant talked a lot about, I'm not just coming here to give you my belts. I'm not coming in here happy for the payday like all the other guys may have been. And I feel like he passed a lot of criticism, right, about how other guys would just lay down for him. And I think what that was was when you watch it, Canelo looks like he's in control. They look like they're just there. And he looks like he's controlling everything. That's exactly what you look like, bro. Hey, Caleb Plant, let me tell you something. When we're watching the fight, you look like a guy who's being controlled. You look like a guy who's there kind of hoping to get a win but realizes you're not going to. (laughs) At no point in that fight did I feel like he was going to win. Because Canelo was controlling everything, his patience, his aggression, and that's what they say. His constant pressure. He's always right there. No, no, no matter where plant moves, Canelo was always right there. I'm right here. Oh, you over here? Oh, I'm right here too. I'm right here. He was always ready to throw. He was always in position. He was always right there. He makes you throw, he makes you throw the jab out there excessively. He makes you throw punches excessively to try to keep him off, to try to score. To try to do something. And before you know it, it's in the later rounds. You're tired. You've been getting beat on. Because Canelo's going to hit you wherever. I'm going to hit you in your hip. I'm going to hit you in your back. I'm going to hit you in your arms. I'm going to throw a punch wherever it lands, it lands. You do Philly Shell if you want to, you're going to get punched right in your back. <laughs> He's just going to throw and hit you. And by round 11, you can see it. I thought the turning point in the fight was round 10. Okay, so something interesting happened in round 10. In round 10, I feel like both fighters got hurt. I saw Caleb Plant hit Canelo right in the stomach with a left hook, and it looked like it hurt. And and Canelo paused for a minute, and I thought, ooh, that one hurt. That one hurt. And from that moment, Canelo seemed to really step up the pressure. Maybe it was a situation. Maybe it was a situation where he could see that Plant was getting a little desperate, starting to throw a little harder. You know what I mean? And that was probably his cue to be like, all right, he tired. And then he hit Plant with a left to the body, and Plant damn near collapsed. Right? And you could see it. You could see it hurt. It hurt. That one got through. That one zapped a lot out. And that was at the very end of the round. And it was like another 30 seconds or something. And you could see, like, Plant is visibly bothered by that punch. He lost a lot of steam. So I think Canelo knew that. I think he saw that. And that's why in round 11, he came out firing. He came out. He knew he hurt him. He knew he had him hurt to the body. And those body punches, they they linger. So then he came out the next round and he was bombs away. Got him out of there. Now I will say, again, I said I like Caleb Plant going into the fight. I said after the fight, I'll probably I'll definitely keep up with him, definitely watch his other fights. I like him. I like him as a fighter. I like his skills. Like, got no problem with Caleb Plant. He was talking so crazy before the fight, right? 
Here's what I don't like. I don't like post-fight. He left the ring. He didn't do an interview in ring. Fine. It's not your moment. Give Canelo his moment. He just got undisputed. If you feel like, let me get out the ring. It's it's all about him. Whatever. He didn't do a post-fight press conference, which losers have done millions and millions of times before. You know, maybe it's not an obligation. Maybe you don't have to. But he didn't do that. And then it took about a day or two before he would even say anything. And then he just posted something on Twitter. Or Instagram, I'm sorry. My problem with that is, had you won this fight, had Caleb Plant won this fight, what do you think his response would have been? Oh, he would have been so brash. He would have been so, I told you this. And he'd have been in, you couldn't find a camera that he wouldn't have been in. You wouldn't have had to look for Caleb Plant. He would have been everywhere. He would have been coming to you. But you lost the fight, and now you're just going to kind of disappear? You're going to slink back into your corner? Look, I, I just feel like that says a lot about a person. The way you lose says a lot about you. It says a lot about where your values lie. Right? So, like, no, I'm not saying, not, pers- not necessarily personally, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Caleb Plant is a bad dude. I'm not saying he's a coward. I'm not saying any insult towards Caleb Plant. But what I'm saying is it doesn't look good, bro. If you would have been out there on Front Street when things went well, you got to be there when things don't go well, right? Like, you got to be there when at the good moments and the bad. Because when Canelo lost to Mayweather, he was there. He did the interview in the ring, right, if I'm not mistaken? He did the post-fight interview, right? He was always there. He accepted it. Manny Pacquiao has lost many fights and was right there in the ring. Manny Pacquiao got robbed against Jeff Horn, and you didn't have to go looking for Manny. He was right there. Manny got knocked out by Marquez, knocked out cold, put him on ice, and was right there after he got back up to do the interview. I feel good. Yeah, put your hats off to him. Like, those are that's, a, that's what champions do. That shows a lot of character. But Caleb Plant, you walked off as if, like, what am I now? Who am I now? I just lost. You can't talk all that trash before the fight. You can't talk all that trash before the fight and then walk away with a participation trophy. I'm sorry. So as the media, as much as I would like to say, yeah, like, you performed well. Like, Caleb Plant did the best he could do. That's the best he can do. That's, that's what he has to offer. And it wasn't enough to beat a guy like Canelo. And that's fine. Right? But I'm not giving you a participation trophy when you talked over and over and over and over. When you called them names, when you called them B worth this, MF or that, like I'm a, you gonna see, I'm gonna hurt you. When you got your homie Andre Ward predicting you winning by knockout, by stoppage. No, you don't get a participation trophy. You talk too much trash. Right? You talk too much trash. You know who we looked at like that? When Adrian Broner fought Pacquiao. Right? He talked all this trash. All this trash before the fight. Y'all gonna see. Y'all gonna see. Then he proceeded to get beat up. But he made it to the end bell. He didn't get knocked out. And then after the fight, he talked about how he thought he won the fight. Y'all see me. I, I landed more punches than him. I landed better shots than him. <laughs> the hood stand up. 
Oh man, that was that. Listen, that was a great interview after the fight. But we all looked at him like you're a clown. You talked all that trash, got beat up. Now you talking about you want to get out of here. Now listen, and, and Caleb plants defense. He he didn't say anything about you know whatever. He said I showed I belong. It's like I don't know if Canelo had pressed you from the start, would would you have gotten out of there earlier? Maybe I don't know. Listen, Canelo's on a different level. Canelo said it to him. You're not on my level. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. There's levels to this. You weren't on that level, and that's fine. So the question is, what's next? So I had a thought the same night. And I said, well, where does he go next? What does he do? He's undisputed at 168. Is there anyone else there that he needs to fight? I don't know. There's some fights that could be made. He could move up. But the problem is Canelo's a smaller guy. Canelo's only 5'8", right? 5'9". Once you start moving up to the bigger weight classes, the guys get bigger. Not just with weight, but also with height. Because it's very rare for somebody to be 5'8 and 225 pounds. Uh, you're probably not playing, you're probably not boxing. Because you don't want to be a heavyweight at 5'8". <laughs> Could you imagine Canelo going against Anthony Joshua? Could you imagine Canelo fighting Tyson Fury? Are you kidding me? So you stay at the lower weights, right? But I did have a thought where I said, oh, Usyk is the heavyweight champ right now. Usyk got, has a heavyweight belt. And I said, what if Canelo tried to fight Usyk for the heavyweight title? Just to get it. Just to get that belt. And then leave. You don't have to you don't have to stay there. You don't have to unify all the belts. Just get a heavyweight belt, get a piece of the pie, dip out of there. Just for legacy. Just for a challenge. And I said, nah, that's stupid. And then I looked it up and I said, well, how big is Usyk? Usyk is 6'3. Canelo's fought Callum Smith, who was what, 6'2, 6'3? Around the same size. An inch ain't gonna make much of a difference in terms of a guy's height. If I'm 5'9", if you're 6'2", six, 6'3", six, that's the same. <laughs> that one inch doesn't make me feel safer, right? <laughs> and he's 200 pounds. So you start to say, huh, he's not, he's not the biggest guy. Kovalev probably weighed 200 in that fight. Canelo could probably comfortably get to 200 pounds. He probably has a route that he can get to 200, 201. And I just thought to myself, man... I, I'm not saying he would win the fight. Because if I'm, if I'm honestly, if I'm being serious, I don't think he would. Right? Because I think Usyk is a heavyweight. And before that, he was a cruiserweight. So, like, he, he's a bigger guy who's fought bigger guys who knows what it's like to take a punch from a heavyweight. Who knows what it's like to hit a heavyweight. And he's also a very skilled boxer. So now you have a guy who's a, who's a skilled boxer but also has the power to hurt Canelo and do damage on Canelo. Keep Canelo honest. Keep Canelo away. To turn Canelo back into the guy that's going to try to outbox you. And that's what it's going to take to beat Canelo. And Usyk can do that. So I'm not saying Canelo can win that fight. I wouldn't pick him to win that fight. Right? But what I'm saying is a guy like Canelo who loves challenges, who wants to challenge himself. If you wanted to do something really crazy 
And so I asked the question, like, am I crazy for thinking that he might go challenge Usyk for the belt? I don't think it's crazy. Well, I, I, I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I could see Canelo doing that. Because look, if you lose, whatever, you're not going to be picked to win. You're going against a heavyweight. You're a former junior junior uh, lightweight. No, junior middleweight. What's that? Ain't that just like one for You're a welterweight. Junior welterweight? You st- I don't know. I'm confusing myself. <laughs> look, he started out at 154, right? And he's moved up. Now, granted, he was always bigger than 154. Like, he was always one of the bigger guys at 154 because he walks around heavier than that. He would cut weight massively to get there, bulk up afterwards, rehydrate, and be the biggest guy in the ring. But what I'm saying is it that's still your starting point. You're still fighting now at 168. And, yeah, I'm sure you have to cut some weight to get to 168, but not like you're not struggling to get there. So what you would do is you would say, all right, it would all come down to does he feel like he could be his best at that heavy of a weight, right? Can he be as strong? Can he be as quick? Can he be as nimble, as athletic as he is now if he bulked up? But, man, if you lose, it's like, whatever, man, we respect you for even attempting it. But if he wins... If he wins, if he was to fight Usyk and win and become heavyweight champ, bro, that's legendary. That's legendary. That's gonna put you. That's gonna put you in line to be. We'd have to ha- start having the conversation. Is he one of the greatest of all time? Right, like that's that's that accomplishment would be insane. I think that's on the table. You, you, you hear it here first. I think fighting Usyk for the heavyweight title is on the table and is an option for Canelo. I think he's considering it. I think his team is looking into it. I think that's something they're flirting with. I do. I think that. That's, that's just coming from my brain. That's my opinion. I know Charlo's talking a lot about he wants to fight Canelo. Charlo's not beating Canelo. Sorry. You want to stand toe-to-toe with Canelo? Sure, go ahead. One thing we know, Canelo could take a punch. Canelo stood toe-to-toe with Triple G twice. Took a lot of hits from Triple G. Canelo's been rocked before. He's come back from that. Canelo's taken hits before. Canelo ain't no chump. You want to stand toe-to-toe? Okay. Okay, again, Charlo's another one. You've never fought anyone close to Canelo. You've never fought a guy close to the level of Canelo. Canelo's fought a lot of guys on your level. Canelo's seen a lot of guys just like you. Now listen, Charlo's good. I like Charlo too. He's good. But you're talking as if you're going to do something that no one, you're going to present something that he's never seen. What are you going to do that Canelo's never seen? Again, that's what it comes down to. What are you going to present to him that he's never seen, that he's never had to deal with? He's too experienced. So the only way you're going to beat Canelo is to walk in there and beat Canelo. And once Canelo starts throwing back, starts slipping your punches and hitting you to the body and the head and throwing that power, can you stand up to it? Now listen, make the fight if you want to. 
I'm not picking Charlo. I've seen Canelo beat too many guys to feel like Charlo's going to come in and just overpower him. Go ahead and try. I think Canelo would love that. I think Canelo would love a fight where he could stay in the pocket and exchange blows. I think he would love that. I don't think Canelo likes stalking guys down for eight, nine rounds before he can land his big power shot and knock you out. I don't think he likes that. I think he just knows that's what you're going to do. I think he would love to sit in the pocket with a guy. So go ahead, Charlo, do it. Go ahead. Make his day. I think that's on the table. I think Benavidez is on the table. I think moving up to cruiserweight is on the table. But I think at this point, Canelo is probably not going to do... He's not going to move up to 175 and try to unify that. I don't think that's like the plan. I think he got a belt at 168, looked around and said, who else has the rest of the belts? I could probably unify this thing. And so he went for it. So I think now Canelo's going to probably be more into individual challenges. So I'm going to do a one-off at Cruiserweight and get a belt. Sure. Another division conquered. I'm going to go to Heavyweight and get a belt. Sure. I'm not going to stay there. <laughs> That'd be insane. Yo, the, the just somebody do me a favor. Somebody who does like uh, Photoshop, please Photoshop a picture of a face-off between Canelo and Tyson Fury. Please do that for me so I can see what that looks like. That would be insane. He's a whole foot taller than him. Bro, that would be insane to see those two square off. But Usyk? That could happen, man. That could happen. It's interesting to think about. But Canelo is definitely like... Canelo is Floyd Mayweather with power. This is what it would look like if Floyd had like not real knockout power. Because Canelo is selective with his opponents, much like Mayweather was accused of. He's definitely in a fortunate position where the guys who have the belts that he wants are guys that really stylistically match up well. Right? So he's very good at that. He's the cash cow. He's the money guy. He's undisputed, number one. Pound for pound, number one. He's the guy. He's the guy that everybody wants to fight. Everyone's got the special sauce. Everyone's, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to be the one to knock him off. He's the most sought-after fighter. Everybody wants to fight him. Fans, they love him. Some fans want to see him lose, so they want him to, to fight the most dangerous guys. Hey, you just fought a dangerous opponent? Here's the next one. Fight this guy now. Oh, you beat that guy? Okay, move up to 200 and fight that guy. It's like people just want to see him lose. But he's got skills, he's the money guy, and he's got power. What an amazing send-off. What an amazing transition. You had Mayweather, who dominated the sport, who was the face of boxing, and then you transitioned him perfectly into Canelo. And now you have that same dominance, but now you have power. Now you have knockouts. Imagine if Floyd was knocking guys out. You're crazy. It's Canelo. (laughs) It's crazy. I have to talk about Aaron Rodgers before before we before we stop. I have to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I have no choice. Look, man. I try I I started when I when I started the show, I said, "Listen, I'm not going to get into political stuff. I'm not going to get into political stuff. I'm not going to get into race stuff. I'm not going to get into gender stuff. I'm not going to get into any of that." Right? That's not what this is about. During the pandemic, I understand there was very few sports going on, but I hate it when I would turn on ESPN and they would be talking about the virus. 
I hated it. I hated it when they would be talking about when they were talking about like the protesting and everything going on with the with the with the, with the different movements in the country. I hate it when they would talk about the Me Too movement. I was like, listen, I'm turning on ESPN. I just want to watch sports. Right? Like, now, nah, I'm not... I, oh, that sounded bad. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a shut up and dribble guy. I'm not saying that sports... Talk about sports. Talk about what you know. I'm not saying that. Every once in a while, it's necessary for the crossover to happen. And I get that you have multiple different shows, and every show deserves the ability to talk about the topic of the day. I get it. But there's a certain point where you have to say, all right, we can't flood every show every day talking about this. At some point, we have to give people a break, right? We have to let people know, hey, listen, this is a sports show. We're going to touch on it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with it, and we're going to move on. And then we're going to give you guys a break. God, this still sounds bad. (laughs) All right, basically what I'm saying is sometimes if I'm watching the news or I'm walking around every day and everyone's talking about COVID, everyone's talking about Black Lives Matter, everyone's talking about gender equality, everyone's talking about Me Too, everyone's talking about all of these things, and when I come home after hearing that, after seeing that, after it's on the news, it's on the radio, and I turn on ESPN, I just want to tune everything else out. I just want to watch two teams play and talk about these two teams playing and just kind of have an escape from reality for a minute. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you go to the movies, man. Sometimes you just want to you just want to watch a movie. Don't beat me over the head with with messages and this. just give me a great movie. I I need a break from real life. Real life is hard enough. Let me turn on ESPN and be able to 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 watch basketball. And that's what it's it's just basketball. You know what I mean? So I always I this show for me was intended to be get away from the 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 real pressure, the real issues, get away from the real drama, the real important things and have just an hour, an hour and 10 minutes of time where you could just zone out, have fun, talk about sports being sports and kind of get away from all the the real life horrors and troubles and pains and all that stuff and you just have a little break i wanted to provide you a break does that make sense is that a better way to say it i don't know but that's what i wanted to provide so i i was i i've tried to stay clear of anything that could be perceived as political or racial or anything like that because i just i wanted you to have a break now listen obviously i'm a human so i have opinions i have ideas i have thoughts I, I walk through the day-to-day just like you, right? So that brings up Aaron Rodgers. So this COVID, and you can't talk about what's happening with Aaron Rodgers right now without in some way involving some political or racial aspect to it. So bear with me as I try to explain why. Let me just start off by saying this. Hey, Kids in kids in the in the room, earmuffs. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. I said it. That's how I feel. Yo, that's how I feel. Apologies to the parents. <laughs> but that's how I feel. Because look, look, first of all, first of all, bro, you tried to be sneaky, right? So reports are that he presented to the league. That he was taking alternative routes to aid in his ability to deal with COVID, right? I'm, I'm trying to say it in a way that 
He said he was immunized. 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 Whatever. That's what he said. That's his that's his dumbass comment. Okay? <laughs> so he was taking alternative medicines that made him, I guess, resistant to COVID. I don't know what he was trying to do. But the league said, bro, get out of here. That's nonsense. No, don't count. You're unvaccinated. And as someone who's unvaccinated, follow the protocol for unvaccinated players. Now, we can argue all day long about whether or not the NFL should make it mandatory to get vaccinated. Now, I agree. It, there is something morally wrong with telling someone you have to get a vaccine. Listen, I was first in line to say, hell no, when they came out with this vaccine. You can ask anyone who knows me. I said, absolutely not. Nobody I know or love is getting that vaccine as long as I have a say. That was me. Now, it wasn't political. It wasn't because I thought they were trying to kill us. It wasn't a conspiracy theory. It was just logically. COVID didn't exist two years ago. At the time when they started talking about the virus, it was... The vaccine first came up about, what, eight, nine months after COVID broke out, and they were saying we're close to having a vaccine. So within a year, within 18 months of COVID existing, they were talking about we have a vaccine. My Logically, I said, hold on, vaccines take years, years to develop because you develop the vaccine, then you have to test it, then you have to watch the subjects who were tested with the vaccine to see if there's any adverse reactions to it over time, Right? So you mean to tell me a virus that didn't exist 18 months ago, you didn't, it didn't exist. It didn't exist 18 months ago. And now 18 months late, 18 months later, you have the vaccine to treat it. Seems like a rush job to me. Now they came out and they said, oh, we have, we, we, we took this vaccine that we were already working on and just piggybacked on it and it sped up the process. But they even said themselves, if this weren't an emergency situation, we would not be passing this through. But these are un- unknown circumstances. We have to get this through. This is a, an emergency situation. So me, I said, nah, not taking it. There's millions of people around this world that would love to take it. Let them take it. I'm not comfortable yet. Let them take it. Let me see what happens. Let me get some more information. Then I'll decide. You know what made me get the vaccine? You know what changed my mind about it? I talked to my mother and my mother said, listen, if you were to get the vaccine, it would reduce the risk of you passing COVID to your kids, of you passing COVID to your wife, of you passing COVID to someone else you care about. And then I realized in that moment, oh, this isn't about me. This isn't about what I want. This isn't about self-preservation. Get the vaccine to help those around me. Because it ain't about me. COVID made people it's not about you initially young people weren't really having they weren't really dying from it they weren't having really bad symptoms it seemed to be people who had pre-existing conditions or older people the ones who were struggling young people you all good you know what happened young people went out crazy saying oh we ain't where we gonna live we gonna live it's old people disease and then young people started dying right People are selfish. Wearing a mask, it ain't about you. It's not about you. It's about looking out for the person next to you. It's about saying, hey, look, man, if I have something, I don't want to spread it to you. That's why they say if you're not feeling well, if you feel sick even a little bit, stay home. Because it's not about if you think you're sick. It's not about, oh, I feel okay. No, 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 no. Don't go 
because you're risking someone else catching something. You might or you might not. But until you know for sure, stay home because you don't, because it's not about you. Stay home because it's not about you. Wear a mask to help others get the vaccine, to help others. In the NFL, they're saying, yo, get the vaccine so you guys don't spread it like crazy to each other. Listen, if you don't want it, fine. The NFL said if you don't want it, fine. But if you're not going to take it, there's protocols. You have to follow these separate rules. Right? That's it. That's all they said. Follow these rules. Okay? Aaron Rodgers decided, I'm not going to get the vaccine. And on top of not getting the vaccine... I'm not going to follow those little stupid rules you got either. So he's supposed to be wearing a mask on the sideline. Wasn't doing it. He's supposed to be wearing a mask when he's interacting with other teams. Wasn't doing it. He's supposed to wear a mask in, in the, in, during the press conferences. Didn't do it. Why? Because all he cared about was me. I'm not worried about catching it. I'm good. We wasn't worried about you catching it either, Aaron. We were worried about you possibly spreading it to somebody else because guess what? Because you didn't want it doesn't mean that you could walk into someone else's face and give it to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yo, picture it this way. Aaron Rodgers. You're Aaron Rodgers. At the end of the game, some young guy is running up to you. He wants to shake your hand. I'm a rookie in the league. I want to shake Aaron Rodgers' hand. Yo, Aaron, great game. You all up in his face talking. Y'all swapping stories, whatever. You got COVID. You now passed it to that young guy. Now he's going to go back to his family and he's going to go ahead and pass it to his family. Because you didn't want to wear a mask. Because you thought you were good. Because you're Aaron Rodgers. Now. You hanging out with your teammates, bro. Look, man. What Aaron Rodgers did was absolutely arrogant, absolutely ignorant, absolutely foolish. Now, don't want the vaccine? Don't get it. I tell people all the time, it's your choice. It's your choice. But if you don't want the vaccine... All right, I said that weird. (laughs) I'm glad I was able to chuckle. I felt like I was getting too serious for a second. Look, my stance is if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to get the vaccine, don't get it. Look, Kyrie Irving didn't want the vaccine. Didn't get it. The NBA has a little harsher protocol than the NFL. Sure. He says, listen, I understand what I'm doing. I understand the ramifications and the repercussions of what I'm doing. I'm going to take it because this is what I believe in. Bravo to you. You don't want the vaccine. Fine. Guess what? When you saw when you saw him interacting with his teammates, guess what he was wearing? A mask. He was following the rules. Aaron Rodgers decided I don't want the vaccine and I'm also not going to follow the rules talking about the the, the the media's on a witch hunt to find out who's vaccinated who's not so you know i feel like it's none of their business we shouldn't have to share our medical history yo in this case bro this ain't your medical history this isn't if you have an sti this isn't if you got the itch you know what i'm saying this is do you have a vaccine that would allow you to interact with people freely hey as your teammate they should know and if you're a person who believes or doesn't believe in it, then you should share your story and your reasons why so that others could maybe feel the same way. If you've had COVID, it's your responsibility to express and let people know what it was like. Give people a heads up. If you've gotten the vaccine 
and you've had any type of negative reactions, you should let people know. Give people, share information. So if you don't want it, fine. Follow the protocols. Follow the rules. Don't act like you're above the rules. What type of arrogant stuff is that? This is what I told, this is why I would have traded Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers, bro, not worth it no more. Again, you, if you're, all right, you know what? The Packers are complicit too because the Packers knew he wasn't vaccinated either and they didn't try to enforce any rules because that's Aaron Rodgers. Let him do what he wants. And you know who else didn't? The NFL knew he wasn't vaccinated. They got TVs. They're monitoring these press conferences. They see he ain't wearing no mask and he not vaccinated. They let it go too. Now the punishment is some some fines? Bro, whatever you find them for, they're going to make that in the next home game. That's the penalty? That's the pe- I've been told. I've been told for the last year and a half how deadly COVID is. COVID is real dangerous. It's so dangerous. Wear a mask when you go to the store. I have to currently wear a mask at my job. Now, listen, I don't mind. I'm one of the few people that actually enjoys it. Like, sometimes you have a booger in your nose. You got a mask on. They don't see it. <laughs> sometimes your breath be stank. Don't matter now. You got a mask, bro. Sometimes you got food stuck in your teeth. Don't matter. You got the mask. You got all that covered up, bro. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I might wear a mask forever and ever. It's like, but the point is, is you're doing it. You're told how dangerous it is. This team blatantly disregards it. This player blatantly disregards it. Puts everyone at risk. And you're just going to give them a fine? Bro. If you cough on somebody, that is a felony. I kid you not. Listen, I work in retail, right? So there was a customer. He was mad. He was all upset. Didn't have a product in stock. Got into it with the employee. Coughed on the employee. This was at the beginning of COVID. Coughed on him. (coughs) In his face. They pressed charges against him. They pressed charges. Dude was facing jail time. For coughing on someone. Why? Because COVID is dangerous and you potentially gave someone COVID and could, and that's attempted murder. Whoa, like that's insane, right? That's where we were. And we go from that to, uh, you know, you didn't get vaccinated. You didn't follow the rules and protocols. You risk getting everyone else around you infected. You can have COVID up to 14 days before showing symptoms. Aaron Rodgers could have had COVID a week and a half ago, just showed no symptoms. And a week and a half ago, you all in everybody's face, talking in the meeting room, spreading all your COVID because you didn't want to follow protocol. That's not fair to anybody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? You put what you thought and what you felt above everybody and everything else. <laughs> you, Aaron Rodgers. It don't matter. What, and then you try to come out and give the explanation. Bro, the explanation he tried to give. Well, I'm glad I could tell my side of the story against this cancel culture. Nobody's trying to cancel you. Nobody's trying to cancel you. But oddly enough, we spent the last month talking about Kyrie Irving being selfish because he didn't want to get vaccinated. So he couldn't even play. And then you come out and do the same thing and think we're supposed to just give you a pass because you were taking some holistic medicines. Even if it works, bro, it looks incredibly arrogant of you to think that not only 
are you going to turn down the medical remedy? Fine. That's your right. You could do it. No big deal. I ain't mad at nobody who does that. Sure. I, big ups. If you found an alternative medicine, huge kudos to you. But not only do you spit in the face of modern medicine, but then you spit in the face of the league when you say, I'm not going to follow your protocols. You spit in the face of your team when you say, I'm not going to follow the protocols to look out for y'all. You spit in the face of your teammates when you're saying, I ain't worried about it, so y'all shouldn't either forget y'all. I don't care. But then you come out and you make it seem like because there's anger towards you or because people think what you did was wrong, that it's a witch hunt, that it's cancel culture, that you're above, you're above criticism. Nah, nah, I'm done. Bro, you won one Super Bowl. <laughs> you're, listen, Tom Brady, in the height, in the height of issues in America, had to make America great again had in his locker. Let everybody know, I'm pro-Trump. Teflon, didn't matter. Got rings, baby. What's it, got seven Super Bowls? Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> we still gonna respect you that's cool that's fine that's fine Kanye West MAGA hat in the heat of race relations in America in the middle of Black Lives Matter right there MAGA hat and he put out Donda we forgive you <laughs> you know what I'm saying greatness you good Aaron Rodgers you haven't accomplished enough to be that arrogant, to be that flippant, to be that disrespectful, to like to be that selfish. No, man, no. And to think that you're not going to get criticism, yo, get out of here. Get out of here. No, no, no. Colin Kaepernick was kicked out of the NFL. Colin Kaepernick wasn't welcomed back because he wanted to start a conversation. Because he just wanted to start a conversation. They said, get out of here. You're not good enough. You're not worth the headache. And you think that you can do this? You think you can lie about a vaccine? You think you can go unvaccinated and not follow any of the rules and put other people's lives at risk? You think you're great enough to do that? You think your accomplishments, your resume gives you the right to do that? Nah. Nah, I'm sorry. Listen, we talked about this enough, man. All I'm saying is, I don't even know if I made any sense. I hope that I hope that little rant that I just went on, listen, I apologize. I apologize. That was a little heavy. It was a little serious. I'm sorry if that didn't even make sense. I the truth is, is sometimes things happen and you and and you feel so like annoyed by it or angered by it that it just sometimes it the words don't come out right. Right? So my basic point is what he did was wrong. What he did was messed up. What he did was selfish. What he did is very representative of what's going on in this world. Too many people worried about self. Too many people worried about my own comfort. Well, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this. I don't think. It ain't about you. It's not about you. Sometimes it has to be about the guy next to you, whether you know him or not. Sometimes it has to be about them. Sometimes you have to do what's best for the greater good, whether it's good for you or not, whether it makes you comfortable or not. Sometimes it's about the greater good, because at the end of the day, black, white, male, female don't matter. We all human. We all we all in the same fight. We all want the same things. Peace, love and happiness, wealth and prosperity. We all want the same thing. 
And sometimes you have to do what's right for the person next to you, even if it means it's not right for you. But for the greater good, we got to be in it together for each other. We got to want this for each other. You got to want the person next to you to have the same thing you have. You want them to be healthy. You want them to be happy. You want them to prosper. Same way you want it for yourself. You got to want it for them too. Therefore, we can all be doing things and making decisions that are for the great, that are benefiting everyone, not just me. My success should not come at the detriment of somebody else. Bro, for me to get a promotion, someone else shouldn't have to get fired. And if me getting a promotion means someone's getting fired, then don't give me the promotion. That's where I stand on it. And if Aaron Rodgers being happy and comfortable means that somebody else has to risk their life or risk their health or their well-being or the well-being of someone they love, then Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to be comfortable and happy. That's the point. I don't want to end on that note. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I Listen, rarely happens. Rarely happens that we'll get into something in that way that's so far away from just sports. But hey, man, I felt like I had to. Look, that's my time, man. That's that's the show for this week. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Listen, before I go, I guess I got to give you some predictions, right? Look, my record is 20 and 6. Y'all need to recognize sometimes I'll be right. My predictions for this week. Listen, Ohio State makes a big statement over Purdue. Purdue's ranked number 19. Ohio State just got moved up to 4. They're going to make a big statement and lay the wood on Purdue. Okay? Listen, I got Baylor beating Oklahoma. Look, Oklahoma's been playing with fire, man. They've been been playing with fire for a couple weeks now. This week, they get burned by Baylor. I got the Patriots beating the Browns. Yes, the Browns in their big statement win. They don't have OBJ. They're going to ball out now. Nah, they're going to lose to the Patriots. And guess what? I got the Chiefs. Chiefs look like the Chiefs against the Raiders. The Chiefs come out and they have one of those big games. They go ahead and put up all the big gaudy numbers. Patrick Mahomes looks like Patrick Mahomes again. Everybody's saying, what's wrong with him? Well, this week, he's going to look like him. Those are my predictions, man. Listen, again, I hope you had a good time this week. I know we ended off a little heavy, but sometimes it'd be like that. That's it for this week, man. Listen, this is episode 10. I thank you all for joining me on this journey. If this was your first time, I hope you like what you heard. I hope you come back next week. And for the Cyber family, I love y'all. Thank you. Have a blessed, blessed week, y'all. I'll see you next time.